Dear congregation belonging to Christ, I'm not sure if you ever thought much about it, if at all. Why, in the confession of the Christian faith with the Apostles' Creed, we every time again mention not just that Jesus suffered, but that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. It's interesting to observe what others have noted that, quote, the only other human beings besides Jesus who are mentioned in our creed are a mother and a politician, a saint and a scoundrel. And surely we can defend, including Mary, the mother of Jesus in the Christian creed. But why include this Pontius Pilate every time? Interestingly, in the Nicene Creed as well, we confess about Jesus, quote, that he was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. Why did and does the New Testament church in history past to the present day mention Pilate's name in the confession of faith? Isn't it a monstrous disgrace, actually, for Pilate to be named in the church's confession throughout the centuries and throughout the world? Well, it's good for us to think about this, and I trust you will find it very profitable for us to do so this evening service. Another question that immediately can be raised is, why especially even highlight this man Pontius Pilate, as one under whom Jesus suffered. I mean, didn't Jesus suffer under so many others? Like what about his suffering under the betrayal of Judas Iscariot? And his capture and unjust trial before the, the Sanhedrin? And with the denial of Peter? That was a lot of suffering for Jesus. And what about when Jesus was terribly mocked and ridiculed by Herod? And think too of the brutal and shameful and painful abusive treatment that Jesus received blow after blow from many soldiers. And what about all the lies and the endless scoffing of the religious leaders and the crowd against him? Yes, considering all that, why do we confess actually repeatedly and specifically that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate? Again, it's a good question. And I pray it will be profitable to reflect on it with you. The Heidelberg Catechism, in wanting us to think through what Christians actually confess in the Apostles' Creed, has one question and answer on this whole matter, question 38. Why did Jesus suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? And the answer given is that he, Jesus, being innocent and yet condemned by a temporal judge, might thereby free us from the severe judgment of God to which we were exposed. Well, let's dig into this some more on the basis of Scripture and the summary teaching of Scripture is given in the Heidelberg Catechism. Our theme is the value of confessing and remembering Jesus suffering under 
Pontius Pilate. What I hope to make clear is there's so much value, actually, in confessing and remembering that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, mostly because this fact alone, congregation, brings out all the more the gospel message of Jesus Christ, a Savior of sinners, for sinners like us. And we'll show that in four ways. For one, it brings out all the more clearly that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. It brings out all the more clearly the evidence, the evidence of Jesus' suffering. Ultimately, the sure evidence or solid proof of Jesus and his suffering comes from the Bible itself, yes. And it's striking, did you notice that, how often the Holy Bible emphasizes this point, that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. At the hands of this Roman judge, Pilate. It's fair to say that it's for scriptural reasons that the historic Christian creed emphasizes Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. You know, the great and the classic creeds of the Christian church, they're so precious, actually because of this. They are summary statements of what the Bible itself says and teaches. It's the scriptural basis of the Christian creeds that makes them of such long-standing, precious value for God's people all over the world. I'm sure you'll have to agree with me that I can ask the children, you can maybe do this tonight when you get home, the scriptures we read, does it mention Pilate a lot? See if I'm right. Do you check those scriptures we read? I think we read the name Pilate at least 12 times. Just in the little passages we read this evening from Mark 15 and John 19. And it makes clear, indeed, how Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Over and over, just in the verses we read, the name Pilate is given to us. The reality is, too, that all four Gospels, if you check them out, make mention and reference to Pontius Pilate as the Roman judge at Jesus' trial. And if you check, to the rest of the New Testament, it is striking how attention is brought back time and again to Jesus' suffering under Pontius Pilate. Peter proclaims the Holy Spirit, in his Holy Spirit-led preaching in Acts 3, verse 13, listen, he says, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified the Son, Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Likewise in Acts 4, 27 to 28, while the disciples and believers were in prayer, they say, of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Here you notice Pilate is mentioned, and Jesus' trial before Pilate as not any surprise to God. But actually, in the whole plan of God. 
And then in 1 Timothy 6, verse 13, we hear the apostle say to Timothy, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, etc. Do you hear it? How this man, Pontius Pilate, is repeatedly mentioned under whom Jesus suffered. But let us ask here, who, who was this Pontius Pilate? that the text mentions so often. Young people, did you do a study on Pontius Pilate ever at school, maybe? Who was he? Pontius Pilate was someone in Jesus' time who had been commissioned by the Roman emperor Tiberius to be the Roman governor over the regions of Judea and Samaria. Pilate had that position from the years A.D. 26 to 36. So for 10 years, this man, Pilate, was the highest imperial officer and judge of the empire of Rome in the region, the very region that Jesus lived when here on earth. His authority over all persons in, this, in his area, except for over Roman citizens, his authority was virtually absolute. He alone, Pilate alone, could authorize the death penalty, a power that was taken away from the highest courts of the Jewish people. The Sanhedrin, when their land passed under the Roman bondage and yoke, they didn't have that authority anymore. The Romans had the authority, not the Sanhedrin. And Pontius Pilate, at this time in Roman history, you could say he represented the highest court, the highest rule of the land, not only, but the highest form of court justice as well, available in world history at that time. Still today, you know, actually, the laws of every civilized people in the world are largely based on the codes of justice as developed by ancient Rome. You can do your own study on that. And Pontius Pilate was to represent the administration of law and justice at its best. The Romans at this time had an ideal for their court system which stated in English, let justice be done, though the heavens fall. Let justice be done, though the heavens fall. That was the rule. So in being brought before Pontius Pilate under his judgment in Jesus' case, it was like being brought before the world's supreme court. How does Jesus fare? before the world's Supreme Court. Well, we know it was very sad and bad what actually happens. What is most interesting to observe, too, from Scripture is that the Scriptures itself foretold us that in the Old Testament, Jesus suffering under foreign Gentile authority. Yes, Jacob already had prophesied about this in Genesis 49.10 stating there that when the Messiah would come in that time also, the scepter would have departed from Judah. That means the rule of authority and justice. In the days when Jesus lived here on earth, Israel as a nation had lost its freedom. You know that history, right? It was just a very small part of, of the Roman Empire. The scepter had departed from Judah. And therefore, Jesus, suffering under Pontius Pilate, was part of the humiliation which he endured. And, and his calling to come 
and suffer under the Roman governor. Pilate, as he's called Roman governor in, Rome, in Matthew 27, 1, is yet another verification, beloved, that Jesus truly is that promised Messiah, the Christ of the Scriptures. In addition to this, we know Jesus himself forewarned his disciples that he would be delivered to the Gentiles and be put to death and the third day rise again. Luke 18, verse 32 to 33 is but one of several references to this prophecy of Jesus himself. The point now is with all this, as Christian church, in the words of the Apostles' Creed, we confess Jesus' judgment under Pontius Pilate. For it brings out more, most certainly, congregation, the evidence of Jesus' suffering. Indeed, not only from Scripture do we have this evidence, but we should add from history as well, from the history records. Pontius Pilate is someone acknowledged in world history. And there has been even archaeological evidence of some writings found in stone bearing his name from long ago. Now, this admittedly is not stated also even in the Heidelberg Catechism in a single question and answer on this topic. But very interestingly, it's given as a reason, a reason in a catechism that John Calvin wrote to have us know there's lots of evidence about Jesus under Pontius Pilate. In his catechism, his so-called Geneva Catechism, 1541, Calvin instructs there in question and answer 56 that the name of the governor under whom Jesus suffered was added, he says, to make us certain of the history and to let us know that Jesus' death was connected with condemnation. And what Calvin meant with that, beloved, is to... When, when he says, to make us certain of the history, what he meant is to say that linking Jesus' suffering and death with this person, Pontius Pilate, helps confirm Jesus was a real human being who lived in real time and who endured real suffering. Mentioning Pilate, whose existence and activities as Roman judge in AD 26 to 36 is historically well documented. And it all helps Christians be aware and assured. We are not, as Peter says in 2 Peter 1 verse 16, we are not following cunningly devised fables when we make known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, but this is all historical fact and truth. You may be aware, I'm not sure, how the early church was threatened and plagued with a certain heresy called docetism and Gnosticism, which heresies promoted the idea that actually Jesus wasn't really physical and he was maybe at best just some spiritual force or something. They thought that Jesus was a spirit, but no actual human being like us, sin accepted, and someone living in actual time that could be seen and touched and who could feel pain and even suffer death. No, these false teachers said, if Christ suffered, he was not divine. And if he was God, he could not suffer. And so they refused to bow to the miracle of Jesus' incarnation. God come in the flesh. Real human being among us. Very God, very man. But now you see, with confessing in the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed that Jesus suffered and was in fact crucified 
under Pontius Pilate. You see, that adds historical reality to it all. And you know what, congregation? We live in a woke world which bunks everything. So I'm very thankful for the Apostles' Creed. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. And when our woke society says you can't, and they change history, they want to do whatever they want with denying the facts of history, we know they're just full of lies and deceit. So I say it's good to stress this still for us today. It surely is. In confessing Jesus Christ and Him crucified and risen again, congregation, we are confessing the greatest wonder that took place in history, in actual, factual history, and to what is truly the center of all history, the history of this world. In the fullness of time, God sent His Son in the flesh, and He suffered under Pontius Pilate. The Christian faith about the Christian Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, as suffering and crucified and risen Redeemer is the most realistic, historically based confession of faith you ever can find. You don't have to believe a lot of stuff out there, but you need to believe this. Be encouraged every time you confess the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. You are not following some fairy tale religion, but one that is rooted and grounded in the mind of God from eternity and in the actual data and physical events and facts of history in time. Thank God for a real Jesus in real time. Come for sure for our real needs and coming to bring real salvation for sinners like us of ourselves. Well, do you see with me then valuing the, the value of confessing and, and remembering that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate? For one, it, it, yes, because it adds so much evidence to his suffering. Oh, there is reason to be so sure of Jesus as suffering Savior with the added confession of faith. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. Now let's notice next this statement of faith confessed and, and remembered has rich value. Secondly, in that it brings out also very much the evil, the evil of mankind against the Savior, Jesus Christ. Behold the man, Christ Jesus, come to seek and to save sinners and only always going about doing what's good and look what we have done to him, Jew and Gentile alike. Have we not despised and rejected him and so wrongly mistreated him and even moved literally to kill him, though knowing it was evil to do so? That Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, beloved, brings out all the more clearly the horrible evil of Jesus' suffering. And here, think with me again about Pilate. The Jews wanted to kill him. But they had no authority. Remember, we said that. And therefore, they had to go to Pilate to get the death sentence for Jesus against him from the Roman governor. And, and they, wanted, they wanted him crucified. So they, to get that, they had to get that from Pilate as well. Now consider how wrongly Pilate dealt with Jesus. That Jesus also suffered immensely under Pontius Pilate, our scripture reading of this service, surely brought out and brings out beyond all question. In all the Gospels, Luke as well, and Matthew, Pilate, when you read through it all, 
Pilate affirms Jesus' complete innocence before all the charges brought against him. I find no fault in him. He says at least five times. You can check me on it. In Luke 23, Pilate says, as Roman judge, I I having examined him, this Jesus of Nazareth before you, have found no fault in this man, uh, touching the things whereof you accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done or found in him. But Pilate nevertheless gave up Jesus to death, to crucifixion ultimately. Yes, he did so ultimately what? To save his own skin. When they said, if you want to stay Caesar's friend, you better let him be crucified. And so we read, we, you know the story, instead of ruling justly, this Roman judge, this Roman governor, he lets the people determine Jesus' verdict. We're in trouble when the people determine the verdict rather than the rules of justice. And in wicked injustice, even Pilate, trying to persuade the people to change their mind, we're told he has Jesus lined up with this criminal, this murderer, this insurrectionist, this rebel, this revolutionary, Barabbas, a well-known political bandit and terrorist, you might say. And Pilate offers, which of these two men would you, would you like me to release? And, and Pilate also, what else does he do? He, he, he orders the most brutal punishment of Roman scourging on Jesus before crucifixion, still hoping maybe to help change the people's minds. Though the Roman judge had repeatedly declared that Jesus was innocent of all the false charges laid against him. However, just to try to get the crowds to to show some pity on Jesus and maybe change their mind and not call for his crucifixion and death, Pilate has this Jesus, a man like us in all things. He has him suffer. Roman scourging, which was a most relentless whipping with a belt that had bone chips all in it, or you might say glass pieces all in it. And that whip, when it would come on the back, would tear open the skin to the bones and to the inner organs even. And Pilate had that done, but it was to no avail. Because the people said, let him be crucified. And Pilate gave in. It was terribly wrong for Pilate to do that. So in the end, yes, for fear of losing his own political status and his career, Pilate gave the order for Jesus to be crucified, which you know also was a most cruel and torturous form of Roman punishment, meant for the worst offenders and evil criminals. Oh, as one put it, congregation, if... If Pilate's condemnation was unjust, arbitrary, or no, as one put it, Pilate's condemnation was unjust, arbitrary, contrary to his own repeated declarations of Jesus' innocence, it was a people-pleasing decision contrary to God's laws established for governing authorities. It was, as this person put it, truthfully speaking, the most horrendous crime in all history, something I will come back to in a moment. Pilate exhibits, beloved, the worst case of human irresponsibility. 
as God's representative with political and juridical power and authority, Pilate did what he had no right and no authority to do. He was a judge who promoted gross injustice. And now we confess this almost every Sunday, don't we? How Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. What is so amazing. How Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, always willingly so. And most, mostly always silently so. Don't you find that amazing? We read Pilate himself marveled at Jesus' silence under the suffering he endured. And certainly so should we, especially when confessing and remembering that all that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Indeed, as we read in Isaiah 53, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. We will come back to this too in our third point. But just think with me now, still in our second point, what evils were committed by mankind, Jew and Gentile, in their false mock trial of Jesus and Pontius Pilate. Pilate's way in that trial was all so evil. And the gospel wonder, beloved, is when man was at their worst, their very worst, also against God's own beloved Son, Jesus Christ, then Jesus and God triune in and through Christ showed all the more the grace and the love and the mercy of God for sinners. And here we come then to our, our third point about the great value of confessing and remembering Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. This truth not only scores the evidence concerning Jesus' suffering as Savior and the evil of mankind in connection with Jesus' suffering as Savior, but also it so brings out, doesn't it, the excellence, the excellence with His sufferings as Savior. And I mean here the excellence of the gospel message that shines out all the brighter, remembering Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. You can say this additional phrase that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate brings out all the more the real heartbeat of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. How does this statement, suffered under Pontius Pilate, bring out so much more the salvation wonder of Jesus' sufferings? Well, what, what, is, what is the central, most wonderful truth about Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Is it not this, that He was condemned so to suffer and to die as the just for the unjust? Yes, in the place of sinners like us who deserve to suffer and to die. The wrath of God, under the wrath of God as Jesus did on Golgotha. Jesus' suffering congregation under Pontius Pilate brings out so much clearer the gospel message as declared by Peter in 1 Peter 3.18 that Christ also once suffered for sins, yes, as the just for the unjust. Jesus' official trial before Pontius Pilate and his being condemned to crucifixion, though declared different times by Pilate as totally innocent, of the charges against him, don't you see with me how this all further brings out? Jesus truly took 
the sinner's place in paying the punishment for sin. Behind the official condemnation still of Jesus, and at the same time the official innocence of Jesus that Pontius Pilate repeatedly confirmed, we have a picture of the exact gospel reality with Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners. He suffered and died, not for his own sins, but a substitute for sinners in the place of his people, as many as repent and believe on him. And it's, it's exactly as the catechism puts it and highlights. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate as judge. What for? That he, being innocent and yet condemned by a temporal judge, might thereby free us from the severe judgment of God to which we were exposed. Do we realize, congregation, what severe judgment of God we deserve? For our sins, your sins, my sins. We deserve what Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered what we deserved. And Pilate, you see, in some unfathomable way, unfathomable way, represented God as governor and judge. And in spite of the fact that Pilate's judgment to condemnation of Jesus and his crucifixion here for Jesus was so wrong on his part, yet in and with it all, God was supernaturally, in an overruling way, giving a divine righteous verdict on his son as sin-bearer. And Jesus Christ also willingly, as Savior, submitted himself to it all and to the verdict, giving himself a ransom for many, keeping silent. Oh, amazing. Condemned in sinner's place, he stood as the perfectly righteous one. Yes, to make full atonement for sin, for undeserving guilty sinners like you and me. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate as the just substitute for unjust sinners to bring about perfect reconciliation between God and man through his once-for-all perfect sacrifice for sin. Don't you find that amazing? It's amazing, actually, also, how much discussion there is in different books about the relationship between Pilate's judgment and that of God. Most err, I think, be with emphasizing on one side, one side too much while minimizing the other. How God even uses human disobedience and gross irresponsibility to somehow still fulfill His salvation plans and purposes as sovereign God over all is nothing short of a mystery and something unfathomable to us. But this is the wonder. God is never the author of sin, but he can use anything and anyone for his purpose, even for his gospel purposes. We confess then, if we see it rightly, beloved, with Jesus suffering under Pontius Pilate, God was powerfully overruling human sin and unjust rulers to accomplish yet his own holy purpose and plan from eternity of Christ's condemnation and crucifixion in the place of sinners like us, and so to accomplish his elect people's just acquittal before God. Thus, as another put it, God achieves his sovereign, gracious purpose, namely our redemption and the advance of his kingdom through Jesus Christ, the suffering, crucified Savior, sinners. 
Here let me mention also what John Calvin writes in the Institutes. He says there very encouragingly, the transfer of our condemnation to Christ was essential for our acquittal, for our acquittal before the judgment seat of God. And this is our acquittal, says he, says Calvin, that the guilt that held us liable for punishment, even eternal punishment, has been transferred to the head of the Son of God. And we, says Calvin, very pastorally, and we must, above all, remember this substitution, lest we tremble and remain anxious throughout life, as if God's righteous vengeance against sin, which, is, which the Son of God has taken upon Himself, still hang over us. What is being said here is, congregation, that Pilate's official doing and verdict in the trial of Jesus is at the same time God's doing, indeed, by God's grace and marvelous design with Jesus' condemnation and substitution taking place under Pilate as the just for the unjust, as Savior of sinners, even though Pilate's actions were sinful and just, and, uh, sinful and unjust. Well, do you, do you with me, as, you, as we ponder this, do you see with me what a, what a wonder is this all? Think of God. Just try to think of God so working and so planning all things to make so plainly and officially and wonderfully and authoritatively clear what was all actually happening when Jesus suffered and was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Isn't it astounding to think about it too, how God was so working out His gospel promises and plans even when sinful mankind was at their worst in opposition against Christ, God's own dearly beloved Son, come to be Savior. Oh, with the trial of Jesus before Pilate, all the world was gathered against Jesus, both Jew and Gentile, both covenant people of God and pagan peoples of the world. Think of the religious Jews, so sickly corrupt and wickedly hypocritical in their bringing Jesus to trial before Pilate and with all their false accusations against him. I find in this regard John 18, verse 28, so convicting and telling. We read there that the Jewish leaders brought Jesus to Pilate for to condemn him to death. But listen to what the text says. But we read, they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Do you get that? This tells us they were so particular about not defiling themselves in regards to a ceremonial law while they were at the same time most wickedly and horribly persistent in committing the greatest and most evil of crimes ever possible. All religious mankind at best on our own is so blindly corrupt and deceitful beyond words. And don't think just of hypocrites out there, but hypocrites here. For we could be like that too. At the same time, think of this trial when you, where you, in a sense, have the world court and the justice system at its best. Suffering under Pontius Pilate, we know Jesus' trial was not a backwoods trial before some unknown judge 
with no judicial system in place. No, rather, Jesus' trial took place before the best and the highest courts by a renowned Roman judge with a high view of justice and honor to the laws of the land. But see again how this most professional judge acted so wickedly and in selfish self-interest when he delivered Jesus up to be crucified. Oh, in this vile setting of so much ungodliness and evil and hypocrisy and hatred of Jesus, indeed from all mankind, God, you see, still led all things to have Jesus as the innocent one condemned in the sinner's place and so to be sent to the cross. How amazing this all is. And what reasons to stand still and to worship our Savior God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that Jesus willingly and humbly and completely gave himself up and over to bear this condemnation and this suffering, even to the death of the cross. What a wonder of amazing grace and love towards sinners like us this so demonstrates and proves. Why should you doubt him? Are you... Are you not struck by it all with me? Yes, in humble worship and praise to God. How important for all of us here in this church today truly to repent of sin and to trust in this Jesus of Nazareth taken and arrested and tried in Gabbatha, Pilate's judgment hall. You know, not to be converted and trusting and following after this Jesus Christ who suffered under Pontius Pilate, means still to be in and with your own sins on your own. And if you should so continue to live, and you should so perish under God's, then you remain under God's just condemnation as a sinner before Him. And you'll go to hell. Yes, you'll go to hell. I don't care how much you've gone to church and how nice a guy you are. In charity, congregation, this needs to be said in all clarity, time and again. And here we come to our last point under the value, about the value of truly confessing and remembering that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. It adds in making known the evidence about his suffering and the evil with his suffering and the excellence about his suffering. And finally, it adds in emphasizing the exhortation, the gospel exhortation in view of Jesus' suffering. One contemporary theologian of our day recently asked, why do people all like to be told clearly the facts in every aspect of life, except often where it's most important of all, namely with our eternal destiny? As this person put it, when a lawyer clearly explains the two possible options in a case, we compliment him. When... A doctor tells you like it is, we appreciate that, whether it's good news or bad news. But when a preacher clearly explains the only two options, heaven or hell, often people criticize him. Why is clarity in every area of life to be commended, but clarity in the greatest issues of life and death to be condemned as uncharitable? Consider here Jesus, beloved who because of his charity of heart and compassion for people, proclaimed with such clarity that before him there are only two responses, one of faith or one of unbelief. One road that leads to heaven or one road that leads to hell. 
to try and make a third way is a lie of the devil. The Bible speaks time and again of only two possibilities. There are two gates, Jesus says. Two roads, two travelers, two destinations, two trees, two fruits, two foundations, two houses, two, two, two. Never, ever, three. There's no third option. No, not even for the nicest of people. There's no third option for covenant children who remain unbelieving. There's no third option for church attenders who just never take God and His gospel seriously. We are either dead or alive. Dead in sin or born again. What are you? We are either still condemnable before God or acquitted by His grace through faith in Christ. You are either against Christ or for Christ. You are either a proud Pharisee or a humble publican. You are either a child of the devil or a child of the living God. There is no in-between category. There is no miscellaneous. There's no and all the rest of us. No, there's no third gate. There's no third road. No third kind of traveler. No third destination. And in reference to that reality then, how do you respond to Jesus who suffered under Pontius Pilate? You know, the earnest exhortation implied with confessing and remembering that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, that we each and all seek our refuge and our salvation with him. He who suffered and died for sins, not his own, but for his people. As many as repent and believe on him and trust and follow him and seek to praise him, the Lord Jesus Christ, in their whole life. Do you own him as your Savior from sin, Satan, death, and hell? as the only way of reconciliation with God and redemption for us and reception in heaven one day. If not, you're going to hell. There's no doubt about it. If you right now are unsaved, you're going to hell. If you should go and have an accident, you're gone. Will you live, in, will you live like that even a minute longer? Pilate himself, you know, we, we don't want to say too much, but we do know from history that he made one too many irresponsible temperamental moves and, and, and wrong decisions so that he was removed as judge and governor of that region by the emperor. And history is not totally clear but what happened to him afterwards, but there's strong support to say that he was banished by the emperor uh, to some place and that Pilate probably committed suicide there. Though that too is not 100% sure, but history does have some evidence for that. And the point is, just think of this, while Pilate trying to gain the world, you see, and trying to keep his reputation and rejecting and despising Christ, if he so did die, he died a hopeless sinner. And where is he now then? God knows. Well, the Savior also with this sermon, beloved, now calls all, all of us here not to perish in sin and unbelief, but to call upon the Christ who suffered under Pontius Pilate, to look to him and to ask, Lord, save me too from the condemnation I deserve. And that may be mine, that salvation by grace alone, not by me improving myself first, but by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
all who confess their sins and trust Jesus alone as their Savior, you may know also from Jesus suffering under Pontius Pilate what Paul says in Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Is this not a great comfort and a great joy for believing people? Especially also when you are convicted of your own sins and sinfulness. We have a Savior who's paid it all. Also was the suffering under Pontius Pilate. So, you see, it's so right and it's rich, isn't it? Truly to confess with the church of all ages, Jesus' sufferings under Pontius Pilate. Just this confession of faith, this little line, when heartily believed and trusted, it so adds, doesn't it, to understanding uh, the, the trustworthiness of the gospel and, and the cost of the gospel for Jesus and the comfort of the gospel for all his people and the urgency of the gospel while it's yet the day of grace. In summary, the, this additional line in the Apostles' Creed, having so much scriptural basis to without question, beloved, gives so much reason to be filled with such awe and adoration for God our Savior and His wondrous works and ways with Jesus Christ as a Savior of sinners for us. Indeed, thinking of it all, how God overruled all things, that it be so that Jesus suffer under Pontius Pilate. Must you not say with me in the words of the Apostle Paul, dear congregation, all the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Who has first given to Him and it shall be recompensed to Him again? Truly of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Yes, especially also that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. These are not just empty words of no, little, no significance or little significance. No way. But rather, it gives every reason for God's people to shout out once and again, Hallelujah! What a Savior! The value of confessing and remembering Jesus' suffering under Pontius Pilate. Do you say amen to this all now too? With heart and lip sincere. Oh, may God so bless His word to us all saving sinners by his gospel word and thrilling and strengthening his people with his gospel word. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, your gospel word is far richer than we know. And we pray that as details of it are unfolded to us, even as we say it so often on the Lord's days, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. May it just humble us and have us magnify you, Lord, as God of all grace and full and free salvation. And you, you go so out of your way to make it clear to us and plain to us. Oh, Lord, let no one remain unbelieving for it's a sin against so much gospel mercy and gospel evidence. Show us our deep need of the Savior and how Jesus came to save us in our every need, also as the one who suffered under Pontius Pilate. Lord, again, as we leave from here, we pray, bless the congregation in the week ahead. We 
pray for more men for the ministry. Lord, please grant more men sent by you to be bearers of the good news in a world of sin and misery while it's yet the day of grace. Hear our prayer. Forgive our sin and worship and protect us on our way home now. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.